Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. This episode of Dialogues in Dermatology has been sponsored by the Biosimilars Forum. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. My name is McCartney Wellborn, and I am a dermatology resident from the University of Florida College of Medicine. Today's topic centers around access and health equity in regards to biosimilar medications. In this episode, I am honored to be joined by Dr. Leon Kursik, who will help guide us through this topic. Dr. Kursik is an Associate Clinical Professor of Dermatology at Indiana University Medical Center, as well as a Clinical Professor at Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City. He is also the Medical Director of Derm Research and Physician Skin Care in Louisville, Kentucky, and is the Principal Investigator for many clinical trials. Dr. Gersick completed his Dermatology Residency at State University of New York in Buffalo, and completed a Mohs Micrographic Surgery and Cutaneous Oncology Fellowship under Dr. Frederick Mose at the University of Wisconsin. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Kursik. We are honored to have you, and thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with us. Thank you, Mark Carthy. Thank you for inviting me. So this is our second lecture on biosimilars, and we're very excited to discuss more about them. But do you mind just starting with a brief overview of what biosimilars are and kind of giving us a reminder? Sure. So actually, if we look at the history of biosimilars, it was part of the Affordable Care Act, and it's known as the abbreviated licensure pathway, and it was created by the Biologics Price Competition and Innovation Act of 2009 as a part of the Affordable Care Act. And the interesting part is in the community, usually when we hear biosimilars, we think it's the generic version of the biologics, but actually it is much, much different than the generics, right? So the generics are for small molecules and the active matters, the the pure active that we have in the generics compared to the branded products. When it comes to biosimilars, it is different. So originally, actually we're a little bit behind Europe And it started in the Europe and the EMEA, the regulating agency in Europe, they want the biosimilars not only be similar and identical, but also to the original biologic, but also they want the quality assessment along with the non-clinical and clinical standards. Now, FDA's requirement is and definition is a little bit different. So they want the biological product that's highly similar to the reference product, notwithstanding minor differences in clinically inactive components and not or, but and, there are no clinically meaningful differences from the reference product in terms of the safety, purity, and potency. So there are more restrictions on the FDA definition, even though things are not very clear. What does highly similar mean, right? It can be a lot of different criteria for highly similar, but, The important part here is that the approval process is different for generics versus the biosimilars. And the biosimilars are basically biopolymers of organic molecules that are manufactured in living systems. And so there are in the manufacturing system 
it's the important criteria for the biosimilars rather than the generics. So for example, cloning technology, selection of the host cell, the growth media, bioreactive conditions, filtration, centrifugation, chromatography, the stabilizers, the constitution of the final product, those are all important factors that goes into the biosimilar approval. Awesome. Thank you for that overview. That's very helpful. What is your personal experience with biosimilars? Have you prescribed them or worked with them either in your patients or in clinical trials? So actually in uh, real life, we still don't have any biosimilars in the market for dermatology. We have bunch of approved biosimilars for dermatology, but they are not in the market due to litigation. So still lawyers are sort of figuring it out, but I think some will be coming soon, probably next year or maybe in two years time because of the agreements between the biologic companies and the biosimilar companies' legal understandings. Even though we have a bunch of approved ones. Now I have participated in many different clinical trials for biosimilars. I believe there are at least six, seven adalimumab biosimilars being studied one way or another, and some are already approved. So I was involved in some of those. I was involved with the etanercept, one or two etanercept biosimilar studies. So yes, I was involved. My experience is limited to the clinical trials, but just like anybody else, because again, I think it's important to know we don't have any biosimilars in dermatology. In Europe, they are ahead of us. They already have infliximab biosimilars that they are using, I believe, also other ones. When you were using them in clinical trials, was there anything you noticed that was better or worse, or was it largely a very similar process? You know, it is uh, largely, I should say, a similar process. Now, One thing concerns me, and this is absolutely totally legal. For example, you can have a biosimilar that has been studied only in Crohn's disease. Let's take adalimumab, for example, right? Adalimumab has one of the biologic that has several indications, including rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, Crohn's, you name it, there's a bunch of them. Now, Legally, if you have a biosimilar that has been studied just, let's say, in Crohn's disease and approved that it's in the market, you can actually use it for psoriasis. And it can be used for psoriasis. And that concerns me a little bit, that we have no track record of that particular biosimilar being studied in what I am using for. But of course, the studies that I was involved with was psoriasis. So at least I would feel comfortable using those that I know they have been studied in the disease state that I'm going to be using it rather than another disease state unrelated to what I'm doing. Yeah, that's a great point. Logistically, do you know yet if um, when biosimilars are available to be prescribed by us, will we be able to choose which one or is it more going to come from the insurance end or the pharmacy end, which one they distribute to the patient? Yeah. So that is a million dollar question. Right now, when we write a generic, you don't know which generic the patients are getting, right? We use, let's say, trimisolone cream. 
right? When you write a trimethylone cream, there are probably 11 generics of that. And when the patient goes to the pharmacy, it's going to get the generic du jour, whatever the company's generic, they have a deal with the pharmacy and that's what they're going to get. Now, it's very interesting what's going to happen for the biosimilar ones. The biosimilars, when they come to the market and the ones that are approved now, for example, they have some kind of a suffix at the end, which shows which companies a biosimilar is, right? And they actually do have names that you can prescribe that particular biosimilar for a particular company, right? So we already named, we have, for example, Zarxio, which is the, this is the first biosimilar approved for in US for Nupogen. That was the first one. It's nothing to do with us, but they do have a name. And also when you write Adalimumab, then there's a suffix at the end, which is gonna show which company's biosimilar is. Now, the question is, for example, the biosimilar that got approved by Amgen for adalimumab, it's called Amgevita, right? And then at the end of the adalimumab generic name, there's a dash ATTO, which shows that that is basically the biosimilar from Amgen. Now, I don't know when we get these drugs in the market, are you going to be able to write Amgevita and are you going to get that Amgen's particular adalimumab? or they can also even substitute that. And that's gonna be on the state level. So every state has a different legislator and every state is gonna have a different rule. For example, in some states, they have 72 hours to notify the doctor that the patient is gonna get a biosimilar. In some states, they have notified the patient as well. In some states, they're gonna patient is gonna have the option to say, you know what? I don't want the biosimilar. I want the original one. And then they might end up paying the difference. The, the patient may actually pay the difference or end up paying the difference. For example, in Hawaii, the state legislator said, you have to let the doctor know in 24 hours. In Colorado, the state legislator said, you have to let the doctor know in reasonable time go figure out what the reasonable time is, right? So a lot of those things that you're asking, probably it's gonna happen in the state level rather than the federal level. So it's gonna be very, very interesting. In Delaware, I was just reading this the other day, in Delaware, you have to have a written consent from the patient that you can substitute and give a biosimilar. 22 states allow the physician prevent substitution if you write brand medically necessary, just like we have it for the generics versus branded product, right? So it's going to be a mess. It's going to be in every state different. Unfortunately, it's going to be state by state, and it's going to be very difficult to figure those things out. Yeah, thank you for making us all aware of that. I didn't know that it was going to be state by state, which is yeah, unfortunate. And obviously it's going to create a lot of onus on the physician themselves to know their state rules and keep up with that. So one of the large benefits of biosimilars is cost, right? That's what we're all hoping is that they're going to be cheaper and more accessible to our patients. Do you have any examples of the cost comparison of a brand name drug versus a biosimilar at this point? Well, as you know, unfortunately in this country, 
drug prices are not transparent, right? So it all depends on the discounting that the drug company is going to give to the third-party payers and the PBMs, the pharmacy benefit managers. Now, of course, and logically, if you have a free marketplace, and when you have six, seven biosimilar of the same drug, you expect and you hope that there is going to be competition and that should push the prices down as much as possible. But on the other hand, if they all decide that they're going to give 10% discount, now you go and figure out what's going to happen. The other thing that might be happening, which does happen in the generic versus the branded products, right? I remember one of the cholesterol pills that my mom was getting, right? The original, when the generics came to the market, the original company, the branded product, they said, we're going to match every price that the generics have. Then why would you write the generic? You would get the branded product, right? So the same thing may happen. What if AbbVie says for all Humira Adalimumab biosimilars will match the price? So now, why would I write the biosimilar? I'd rather give a branded product, right? So it's going to be very interesting how that marketplace is going to turn into. And ironically, when we go to Europe, really the advance of the biosimilars did not decrease the prices as much in Europe. But granted, they have a totally different system. They have nationalized healthcare system, right? Over there, you're dealing with one payer, the government, versus here we have who knows how many different payers, different insurance companies. So it's going to be really very interesting to see. But overall hope, and hopefully it will decrease the prices and it will create more access to our patients. And that's what we really want from our perspective, prescriber perspective, right? We want more access and we want it easier on us to prescribe. Yes, absolutely. All those prior offs and appeals that take up all that time trying you to get it. for your patients. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, who wants to do prior authorization, right? Yeah, absolutely. That will be like heaven if we can get away with that. Yeah, that would be wonderful. So speaking of access, do you think there are any specific patient populations that would benefit the most from biosimilars and if we are able to reduce the cost with them? Yeah, well, now with the recent legislator that passed the Congress, right, a couple of days ago, that now the government actually can negotiate drug prices with the pharma, I think that will be very helpful now that we know certain populations such as insured by the government insurances, right? Medicare, Medicaid, hopefully we'll have those patients, will have better access uh, to all drugs, but maybe more with biosimilars if the prices are significantly different. And when those government entities can deal and will, hopefully, and bargain for prices. All right. Well, based on our conversation, do you have any few key takeaways that you want our listeners to think about in regards to biosimilars? Well, I don't think so, but I think I hope and I look forward to those more access for our patients to biosimilars and biologics, hopefully. 
Yes, that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today and listening to this episode of Dialogues and Dermatology Podcast. And again, a huge thank you to Dr. Kursik for all this wonderful information for our listeners. Thank you for including me. Thank you to the Biosimilars Forum for supporting this episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.